Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm the other host, Dungeon Master Chris. And today we are coming to talk to you about the DMPC. What is the DMPC, you may ask? Well, we'll tell you in the meet. But first, (laughs) before we do that, Chris, we have some five-star shout-outs to do. We do, and our first one comes from the DM Dads. DM Dads Approve. Uh, That's (laughs) the name of the iTunes review. Nice. It says, Gamers Grow. Sometimes, to carry on the legacy of imaginative fun, they must become the dungeon masters of their own little horde. They become dungeon master dads or moms. Doctors by day, damn fears by night. (laughs) Well, not really night, more like late afternoons and Saturdays. For individuals like us on the go, this podcast has become a resource of paramount necessity. We wholeheartedly support this podcast. Inexhaustible ideas, funny and clean, exclamation point, stories, intellectually honest exploration of the nuanced aspects of DMing, and great personalities on the air. This is the Masterwork Broadcast, the only broadcast helping DM dads make great family memories, killing mental blocks, and raising the (laughs) egos of their little players at the table. I love it. I feel like that could be its own show intro. That's fantastic. I want to hear the DM dads podcast. (laughs) Our next one comes from Ragnar, Thor's son, and is entitled, So Glad I Found This. Ragnar says, I've been playing on and off since 1987, and I've never taken the time to build my own campaign world. This show has not only given me the inspiration to do so, but also has given me a fresh perspective on things you can do in a D&D campaign. Thanks, Ragnar. That's awesome. I feel like you can't say 1987 when there's the apostrophe with the 87. <laughs> it's got to be like that old crotchety guy who's like, in old 87. back in 87. I feel like that's how you got to say it. Uh, thanks, Ragnar. We yeah. appreciate that. Uh, our next one comes from Twerkins, and it's entitled Crunchy Meat, five stars. Uh, I've listened to a lot of D&D podcasts, and this is the only one that focuses on me, the DM. Every episode is meaty and and full of ideas and inspiration Mm. for how I can add fun, new elements to my games and engage my players. I frequently have to rewind the show because it makes it sound like we got like cassette tapes or something. (laughs) Uh, You can just click, man. You can just click. You don't have to rewind. Uh, I frequently have to rewind the show because while listening, I am struck with an idea that I have to write down because there will be too many to remember. A must listen. So thank you very much, Twerkins, yeah, for that uh, thanks, awesome five star review. And you have an awesome name. <laughs> Our next one comes from Dark Nexus and is entitled DM Like a Boss. Like a Boss. I found this podcast a few weeks back and have decided to give it a try. I just got back into DD and was in need of some help with my campaigns. And by Morden's beard, they delivered. This guy is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My players now fear the level 20 commoner. Yes, this guy is awesome. <laughs> and are absolutely terrified of going back underwater. I think I may throw some spaghetti at them next. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see him do that in real life. Uh, I only made it halfway through the list of podcasts, but I doubt I'll ever stop listening. Keep up the amazing work. I can't wait for the next classic Mitch Boss fight to throw at them. P.S. Scions, Mystics, and Mind Readers. They are my favorite. But I've been having trouble introducing them into my campaign. Thoughts? Oh. Oh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. You should read that one. Oh. P.S. Scions, <laughs> Mystics, and Mind Readers. They are my favorite. 
Oh my god, creepy Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, we should do one on Scions, Chris. That'd be sweet. We should do one in the future. Yeah. Even though I am not the biggest fan of Scions, I I am not. However, I don't think I've ever played one or used one as anything. In my however, world. this is not. This show is not about us. The no, show it's is not. about you, the listener. So we will put that on the roster. Dark Nexus. We will have a show about Scions. So with that. Thank you so much, and we are heading to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Coffee, man! Just a mouthful! No! Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys! So this week, like Mitch said, we are talking about DMPCs. I've seen many different things around the internet on DMPCs. Sometimes people absolutely love DMPCs. Some people swear that you should never use a DMPC ever because they can be used for various different reasons that can throw off a campaign or make player characters feel underappreciated, whatever their reason is. And so we're just going to bring you today an overview of what a DMPC is, how they vary from like things like NPCs, and how you can, if you choose to, you can use them within uh, your campaigns. And so, Mitch, I, I've never used a specific DMPC that's always with the party, but these are something that I've always been intrigued by. And so I guess the first thing that we should dive into is, what is the difference between a DMPC and an NPC? So obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you probably know what an NPC is, a non-playable character. Pretty much any character that the DM is in charge of. Whenever somebody asks me what a dungeon master does in D&D, because they're not familiar with D&D, basically, you know, I have to explain to them, well, there's the players, they have their own character that they run. I, as the DM, am in charge of every other person and monster and creature in this world. I am the one who has to role play and do voices and all that crazy stuff for yeah. every single other character. Those are NPCs. What is a DMPC? A DMPC is different than an NPC, usually for a couple of reasons. I would say, first off, normally <laughs> an NPC does not have a character sheet. Unless you're like a first-time DM who like didn't think like, yeah. oh, this is gonna be so much work. Like, I don't do character sheets for my NPCs. I don't, I don't <laughs> like either. if I have stats for them, if I need need stats, I have a little like cue card with the stats and the different powers that they have. But that even comes into play very rarely for me. Yeah. It's usually just NPCs are just from the mine. But a DMPC is a dungeon master playable character. It is a character that has a character sheet all set up. With that, <laughs> the stats are derived the same way that a player stats are. So like if you got stats by rolling 4d6 for each uh, ability and then taking out the lowest one, or you do points by systems or point whatever, by yeah. System, all that stuff, your DMPC is their abilities came from that same way or <laughs> At least they should be. Like, right, they, right. I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about, but it, it, hopefully a DMPC has not been put together with any sort of cheating in mind. Like, yeah. It has been put together the same way that the players have yep. been put together. Yeah, and I think one thing that goes along with this too that some some players I think might have a little bit of a hard time in, but these are these are not simply NPCs that you meet in a bar or in a town hall or in the sewers of the city lurking around. They're people that go around, they adventure with you, and in that respect, there's a few things that they should be sharing in, I think, as well as player characters and as I well. And I think these, are, these t next two are part of the reason why a lot of players don't like yeah. the DMPC. Yeah, they, they, 
potentially can uh, share in the loot unless for some odd reason the DM has deemed them they don't care about loot or they're like a super rich person that's coming along with your party and they're just playing along for fun or whatever. I mean, they're, they're a player character that the DM is, is playing. So they should share in things like, like loot. So that could drive some people up a wall where it's just they're like, they shouldn't be able to have gold to be able to do things. They shouldn't be able to get that cool sword that, you know, they're a fighter and that sword would go really well with them. They should also, they you know, they, they normally share in XP as well. So if you do like... Uh, where everybody gets the same amount of XP, you know, you, you take the group total that they've earned for the day and divide it by however many are there. The DMPC is a player character and should be able to share in some of that XP too. And so those are some reasons that I think people could potentially not like DMPCs walking around, but if they're going to be a DMPC, you kind of treat them like a like a PC as well. In essence, it is a playable character. They're run the same exact way as a playable character. However, it's being run by the DM. They right. are in charge. And as you are listening, you may be cringing already because you're already, if you haven't heard of this before, and maybe this is your first time, you're already, things are coming into your mind of ways that this could go wrong. And if you have seen a DMPC run before, if you've run it yourself, maybe you already have this built up hatred towards a DMPC. Maybe you are, maybe you like DMPCs, but I think in general, most people don't. And there is good reason for that. And we're going to go into that and we're going to go into how, how to effectively run it. But first of all, why in the world <laughs> would you even run a DMPC? Why would you have a DMPC instead of just having an NPC that, like you said, Chris, like a DMPC goes along with the party and adventures. Why not have just an NPC that does that? Well, there, I think there are a couple reasons why you would have a DMPC. Yeah, and so I think one of the first ones is if you have a group of people, and I know we've talked with numerous, numerous people that are saying, you know, that have said we can't find enough people to make a party of characters and or make up a a, a big enough group of characters that would be able to go on an adventure and survive the things that they're going to go through in the story. And so I think one of the reasons that you might potentially consider using a DMPC is because there's not enough players to make up that group. You could also, if if your group is so heavily lopsided to the side of like everybody wanted to be a rogue, now you can have conversations beforehand and say, hey, you know, you might think about having a cleric come along with you, or you might think about having a, a fighter come along with you but if your characters want to play something that isn't necessarily what's going to be most beneficial for the group and you're lacking in some area like for example i don't know many people that play clerics i've never played a cleric i don't know many people in our groups that have played clerics but you might consider if your party's so lopsided to one side having a dmpc come along to fill that spot of the healer that's a part of the group and that could be a reason too that that you have a DMPC come along. I think both of those two reasons, uh, not having enough players or not having enough of classes that you need can go hand in hand too. Like yeah, you, right. If you feel that with a group, you have two players and you want to play D&D because you can't find anybody else, but you have two players that want to play, well, there's only going to be two classes unless they multi-class, but that's, right, yeah. that's going to be later on. But even so, then, it's all, I mean, they're all lower versions of those classes. And so, like, you as the DM may feel that it, it may be a good idea to put in a, a DMPC that will fill in the spot of having another adventure that's with them to fill in that spot of we don't have enough players. 
and you can fill in a spot of a class that hasn't been picked. There is a difference between not having enough players and thus you don't have enough classes and your players actively choose to go, we're not going to have a cleric in our group. Like we're going to have three rogues or three wizards or whatever. Or we're not going to have any spellcasters because we're all going to be fighters. There is a difference between players choosing to do that and it's just the way that it works out. Right. And we'll talk about that more in depth later. But there does come a time that basically the purpose of having a DM could DMPC can run be not enough players, not enough classes. Also, some D&D groups will do a rotation of DMs for like the same adventure. Not yeah. every group has somebody who... One is the guy who is the one guy who says, yeah, I love DMing. Some groups don't really have anybody who really loves DMing. And so they it's like a pass it around. You have a mm-hmm. month to DM. Yeah. You have a month to DM. We all have to take our time and be the DM. On the flip side, some groups have groups with a lot of people who love to DM. Yeah. And so they might have the same adventure group and they might pass it around because everybody wants to try DMing. And so if you're playing in the same adventure but with different DMs, it makes a lot of sense to not just go, oh, uh, it's it's your turn, Bob. So your character goes to his homeland and just sits there on his butt for right, a right. whole month. No, or like, comes down with the flu and can't yeah, exactly. in or yeah, something. Like, yeah, and if like you know, you can decide to do that, but I think it makes more sense to have a DMPC yeah. because they're gonna be a PC in the campaign. Yeah. This is how my brother's former group that he played Was with it? did it. Yeah, they they did where they didn't. I mean, they didn't have a whole pre-generated world that they played in. They just yep. created each place that they were going to go yep. and they just slowly i mean they there was no history to the world they just did their thing but nobody really loved to dm DMing, yeah. like they were like I, I mean i think they loved it but they loved playing even more and so they did the, they did that where it was like it'd become my brother's turn or it'd become his his best friend's turn or you know their other friend's turn and they would just be like well we're just going to keep playing with them and they're going to go and fight in the tower that's filled with snakes to rescue the princess because that's just how they're going to play it because (laughs) they didn't want to be without their character and it didn't make sense. Now they knew what could eventually happen in that campaign, but we'll, we'll get into some of the issues that could come with the DM and the DMPC knowing what could happen. I think the last reason and maybe the, just the most obvious of reasons. And I think this reason comes down to a lot of like those groups that are, I think the more normal groups where there is one person who is always the DM, whether they like to or that's just kind of just forced into yeah, that that's role. Just kinda, nobody sense, else yeah. will take up that torch. Yeah. But the desire to play <laughs> is being had by the DM. Like the DM is running the game, but they want to play too. Yeah, and right. They, and right. a lot of times, like we just said, like this stems from the DM not getting enough play time because he always has to take that spot as right. the DM. Right. And so it's a pretty legit, it is a legit reason for a DMPC, you know, you understand the DM wants to play too. <laughs> like, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. So those are some reasons why a DMPC would exist. Now, let's talk about the problems because there are a lot of problems that people have had in the past with DMPCs and a lot of these problems, they ring really true. Yeah. Very, very valid points as to why a DMPC can be a bad thing. you have to be careful about these. If you're going to run DMPC, if you are running a DMPC, you need to be careful about these things. Yeah. And so I think the first one, and this is one that's, this can happen very, very easily without you even being aware that it's happening. You could potentially steal the spotlight from other PCs' characters because you have the ability 
to shine the spotlight on whoever you want as the DM, and you could shine the spotlight so bright on yourself that nobody else can get into that spotlight. And what I mean by that is there's something that's happening within the game, and your character all of a sudden jumps in and does the thing because you have ultimate control over the story, and you're just going to take that moment, whether it's slay the big bad guy or whatever, hit that final hit. You don't give the wizard a chance to do that puzzle because he's got the intelligence to do it. Like You are able, as the DMPC, and you have to be very careful about this, when you could potentially take over that spotlight from other characters. And in that moment, your player characters might be like, this is stupid. I, why am I even playing this moment? Like, I, My character is worthless in this campaign. And I think as for people out there who are listening and they do love... DMing. And I think most people that listen to our podcast right now do love DMing because you wouldn't have gotten up to this episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> if right. you didn't like DMing a lot. And for most of us out there, we love DMing. And let's just be honest, we love DMing partially because DMing does have a big spotlight on us. Right. We know right. that every game that we DM in, we're not going to be sitting back and doing nothing. Like we're going to have a fo- a big spotlight on us because we are we're running the story. We are essential to that story being put out there. And so uh, some some people out there maybe you can admit like uh, oh yeah, I love having, having the spotlight on me. And so this is something that for a lot of DMs who would feel that way, it might be hard not to do with a DMPC. Look at how cool my character is. Look how awesome he is. Look at the cool things he can do. I want to make this character the coolest character in the group. Right, right. And we need to realize that, hey, we're the DMs. We are ready. For most games, we're already the person that talks way more than everybody else because we're setting up story. We're running NBCs. We're doing all this stuff. Right. And to have a DMPC that is stealing the spotlight from other players' characters that could be doing really cool things it's kind of messed up and it's going to get really frustrating for the players and they should be frustrated if that's the way it is. You need to have your DMPC be a PC that can step back and let the other right. players have the spotlight going along with that. The DMPC can be the ultimate metagamer because you are the one running that PC as the dungeon master. And so as the dungeon master, you know everything there is to know about this world. You know how the plot's going to go. You know the solutions. You know all that kind of stuff. And so the DMPC has the ability (laughs) to know everything. And you want to make sure, because we all know as as dungeon masters that it is frustrating when players metagame, we need to be really careful with our DMPCs that we're not metagaming. Yeah. That could be something that you fall into very, very easily. Yeah. Uh, Whether you know it or not, and you could do it subtly or you could do it blatantly. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that's just something that we really have to be aware of if we're going to be running DMPCs. I think too, another really interesting one. And I think this kind of goes along the lines of, spotlight a little bit is you could be the ultimate solution to whatever problem you run into you could as a dmpc you could be a deus ex machina you could be that person that when all else fails when everything else is going wrong you're the person that steps in somehow 
and saves the day. You're the lifeboat reason. to yeah. all the problem situations yep. because once again, <laughs> you're the ultimate metagamer. Right. So you know how to be the solution as right. well with the DMP. Yeah. Oh, people are shooting at this guy and he's not getting hurt by arrows. Well, good thing I know his weakness yeah, and exactly. I can exploit that. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. my PCs are not able to figure out this puzzle. Well, guess who made the puzzle? Yeah, right, like, right. My and so yep. my DMPC is gonna figure out this puzzle. Yeah. Oh, guess what? We're filling a class that your characters didn't realize that they needed guess who's the hero and the savior coming in in this moment yeah and so yeah that's a good thing to bring up like we talked about before like filling in a class like because that class needs to be filled in i think there is a difference here with being the ultimate solution with a dmpc of it could be a problem to fill in a class when it's not like the sense of we only have two players and so they would love to have a cleric or a tank or a, or a spellcaster, but we don't have enough players and thus I'm going to fill in that spot. When it's, I have five players, they all decided to be wizards. Yeah. We have no tank. I think, and this is, I think this is up to you as the DM and to your players, but I think that coming in and being like, I'll play a DMPC tank to fill in that gap, uh, it takes away that, the consequence for the player's decision. And I think that that's kind of a bad thing yeah. because I think that it's more interesting of a story to go. That's sweet that you guys all pick five wizards to play. You guys are going to beast some things, yeah, but you're going to suck at some things and to be like, here, let me fix that for you. That takes away a lot of great role-playing opportunities, a lot of scariness in certain situations. And it's like, no, no, no. The players thought about this and put themselves in the situation. Well, and they could even, too. I mean, this is one way that a DMPC could be introduced into a game is if they blatantly decided they all wanted to be rogues or they all wanted to be whatever or they didn't want a tank or whatever. They come in this moment and they're like, oh, crap, we're going to need a tank. They could potentially hire somebody that could come along and then you could make a DMPC. I don't have any problem with that. It's the moment that you're like, ah, crap, my players are, they blatantly decided that they didn't want a fighter. Well, I don't want their characters to die because I don't want them to never come back to the table. So I'm going to put in a fighter or a tank or whatever to fill that void. Another thing that I was thinking about too that could go along with, this is like metagaming and being the ultimate solution. If you're playing a spellcaster who you know you're going into a dungeon that's all fire types and you're all of a sudden like, well, I'm going to take ice spells or I'm going to take water spells. spells. Convenient. I took all things that they're vulnerable (laughs) to. Ha. I think that can be a real problem. I think you need to, on as a DMPC, even if you have a smarter DMPC, go with the dumb option more often than not. Because <laughs> once again, like if you do that too, once again, if you go into the ice cavern and you take all fire spells or, or whatever it is, you're metagaming. You are being the ultimate metagamer. You're being the ultimate solution. And you're going in to steal the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> like but you're doing yeah. all three of these. I think with the, uh, with, if it's like a blatant ice cavern, it's like kind of makes sense. You'd take fire. <laughs> yeah, it's but like, if it's like you have a, the map for the it, ice yeah. cavern, you if know. It's like, but if, yeah. it's like a, if it's just a random mountain that you're not seeing, you can't yep. see inside of, and then all of a sudden it turns to ice and you conveniently have all fire yeah, spells. You had no idea that this mountain was a yeah. active volcano inside or, you know, a, a dormant volcano. Right. And then there's fire elementals everywhere. You had no idea and you take all those ice spells well you're metagaming you're being right. the ultimate solution yeah. you're trying to steal the steel so spotlight. yeah those are things to definitely be aware of if you're going to be doing yeah. a dmpc i think another thing that goes along with this is your dmpc could be the ultimate train conductor and i think you know what that means you could be having a dmpc in your campaign because you want to 
keep on trying to railroad your PCs. And if you've listened to our podcast, you know our thoughts on railroading, that it's not always a bad thing, but putting a DMPC in with the intent of making things go your way when your PCs don't make the choices in a situation that you as the dungeon master want them to make they may make some choices that you're like oh this is going to set them down a path that i was really hoping the story wouldn't go down yeah. like but you have your dmpc step in and be like i choose to make this decision right, or guys right. we should do this like you are trying to railroad them you are having your dmpc just be a device to railroad your players in the way they want to go yeah that should not be the case once again go back to that spotlight thing have your DMPC be the PC that steps back from the spotlight. It's it's that moment where, as a DM, when you don't have a DMPC, you're like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just in different terms where it's like, I think we should go this way. It's kind of <laughs> saying the same thing, but you're railroading in a bad way using metagaming knowledge when you decide to railroad a character exactly. that way. Another thing that you could potentially do, and I've done this before, where you guys have missed things going yeah. through dungeons and various different places, they could be the ultimate treasure detector. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where it's like, hey, I built this dungeon. I know where all the treasure lies. I know that there's this really awesome wand that's you know, I know where the in secret a, doors in a are ran, yeah in a random chest somewhere you know where all of the hidden loot is as the dm and thusly so does the dmpc and so yeah. those are moments where it's like if your guy's a wizard and he has detect magic and he can detect something that's great but if it's like a random non-magical thing that's worth a lot of money that's just sitting oh, look somewhere hey look at what i found that's worth a ton of money yep. that your character normally wouldn't care about just for the fact that you'd have the loot that could become a, a potential problem. Well, and that as can well. get even worse, right? If your character goes, "Oh, look what I found! It's mine now," yeah, rather right, than "I right. found this for the party." Like, it's mine now. Like, oh, DM just put that in there, yeah. hoping we wouldn't find it, so he could give it to his DMPC. Right, right. Like when your DMPC is decked out in magic items because your party is no good at finding things, but you somehow are. Like, that is a problem. Yeah, and a super high power trip. If that's the case, <laughs> I think another problem with the DMPC is that you could run into we had our unkillable villains episode where we talked yeah. about how villains have this unkillable aspect that isn't good to them you could have very well have a dmpc that the players look at as completely unkillable because you as the dm love your dmpc and you need to let go of that because you will do anything that you can to go out of your way to save that DMPC to protect them from death. Yeah. <laughs> and so that DMPC is never, ever in danger because some deus ex machina thing is going to happen to help this guy. Oh, conveniently, Adam. I'm just like Luke Cage from <laughs> the Marvel <laughs> yeah, Universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He can't yeah. be hurt whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so that is a problem. All of these things that we just mentioned are problems with DMPCs, people have definitely experienced this with the DMPC before, and this is why I think, in general, a lot of people hate the idea of the DMPC, and it makes a lot of sense. All of these things are problems, and all of these things are things that, as DMs, if we're running a DMPC, we need to be very conscious about not falling into having these problems going on, because all of them can happen, and if we're not careful, they will happen, and a lot of them, as we saw kind of are connected yeah they if one is happening another one is probably yeah. happening at the same time yeah. so here's the question though i think chris you and me are both coming from this 
perspective, I don't think that it is a a DMPC is always a bad thing. Yeah, no. Uh, not at I all. think especially in that sense of needing to have another character because there's not enough players or especially in that sense of like it's not a here guys I'm going to help you out kind of right, thing but right. like something happens like Torque was at a time a DMPC. Yep. I think the reason that really happened was because we started off that campaign, the Riders of Shemesh campaign, with a really solid group. We had planned it out. We had a fighter, yep. we had a spellcaster, we had a rogue, and and we had a ranged fighter. And the ranged fighter was not a tanky fighter at all. So no. we had like our tank, our range, our spells, we had our and DPS we had our stuff, sneaky yeah. stealth guy. Yeah. We had it set out. You guys had planned really well. And then we had a player drop out completely, yep. just totally gone. And so that was the tank. That was the tank. One of the most <laughs> critical pieces yeah. to our party. Well, that was the thing. Like, you guys were fantastic with that tank yeah. being the guy who would run in and be taking the hits while you guys were throwing stuff at yep. them from behind. And then the tank dropped out, and we had no tank, and we played like that for a little while. It was awful. We were always worried about whether our characters were going to die or not. And it stunk because it was not your guys. We went into this campaign picking... Uh, really squishy yeah, characters. Right. This was a somebody decided not to play with us anymore, and we had no tank. Right. And so we introduced Torque, and I think that Torque was done in a really good way. Yeah. Your characters all became attached to them, and then we had a player decide that they were coming back to play with us. Different, different yeah, a different person. Yep. And we asked them like, "Hey, would you mind running this character Torque?" And it just so happened that this player usually played characters like Torque. Yep. And so he took up Torque, and it was fantastic. Yep. It worked really well. And one of the things that shows that I think this DMPC was run well, not to toot my own horn, but was, th- was that Magic Mark was like, when this player was coming back, he was just worried. He was like, I don't want him to mess up Torque. Like, he loved Torque yeah, right, at that point right. so much. And he didn't. And it was fantastic, yeah. and it worked yeah. out well. I think we had played with Torque for a while, but I don't think we had played enough for him to really mess anything yeah. up really. and he yeah and he absolutely didn't and it was fantastic right. and so let's let's talk about like with that in mind too let's talk about how do you effectively run a dmpc because there are certain things that you should do to run a dpc well i really like this first one and it it makes it feel like it's more of a character because it, it helps take away from in a fight you're the you're the person the savior that does everything right all the time. Yeah. If, if you're going to run a DMPC, this is one thing that I would highly recommend. Roll your dice in front of the screen if you're rolling for that character. Not behind Not it. behind it. This is one thing where I, I don't know if it's a great idea to have your DM power extend here because it prevents you from, in that moment, rolling a 1 and then saying... Oh yeah, he rolled an eighteen and he hit. You know, yeah. it, it takes it makes it feel like this character is actually a part of the party, doing the things that every other PC has to do, and suffering the consequences just like every exactly. other NP or every other PC would have to do yeah. in that moment. I think that's important. Your DM power does not extend to this DM PC. This DM PC should be at the same level as everybody else, and to show that 
roll in front of the screen. Right. Like, yeah, that's that's something I think all of your players will appreciate. Yep. Like, I know that some DMs out there don't even believe in DM screens, so this should be easy for them. I use it more for notes than anything else. But <laughs> I yeah. believe firmly in the DM screen. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will stand on that soapbox. But yeah, like roll in front of the screen. That's a fantastic way. The way we did torque, the rolls were being rolled in front of the screen because we had other people roll. Yeah, them. when it yeah. came down to battle, I didn't want. First of all, as the DM, I already have in battle. You know, Chris. Normally in battle, the person who's has the most stuff on their plate is the DM. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're running all these different kinds of monsters. You're not familiar with every monster, like, right off the bat. Like, you've had to do a little research. Like, the players are familiar, hopefully, with their characters. And so what we did was we had Torque rolled up by a player, rolled up for the players. And right. so even though I ran Torque, I determined what he would say and how he would think. But I said, hey, in battle, we will do a rotation of you three guys. And every battle, the next person will run Torque. And if I decide, if you're doing something that Torque would not do, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, no, 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 Torque wouldn't do that or whatever. But in general, I was just like, yeah, you guys control Torque. He's the tank you yeah. run in the battle, take the hits kind of guy. So as long as you're doing that, like, go for well, what it. I, what I appreciated about that, too, was in those moments, we never had to worry about Torque all of a sudden becoming the hero that did everything right. Yeah. We knew and that it was did, like... It, it was, was because, because you guys yeah, right. were it, controlling It was because him. the DM yep. wasn't thinking for this character. Yep. So in that moment, I, I really appreciated the fact that you were like, yeah, let the players run. And I was never like, yeah, I totally want to run Torque. I've already got enough to <laughs> yeah, think we, about. Yeah, we had Mark. Mark was the one Mark, who loved it. Mark, he pretty much it, loved yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> but in those moments, it was like it was nice to know that Torque is not going to run past all of the squishy people and let the squishy people just keep coming yeah. towards us and kill our characters. Or that Torque wasn't going to know what the situations of battle right. were. Right. And metagame in the sense of he Careful knew guys. that this was going to yeah. happen. Careful, so, guys. Three rounds from now, that door is going to open. Well, and, and, yeah. and that was better in that sense, too, because... If I were to run Torque, I would run him with that step out of the spotlight. Especially Torque would make the the less strategic decisions right. because I wouldn't want him to make the strategic decisions based on what I knew. But if I let the players do that and make Torque do things that are strategically well, even without them knowing it, that's not on me going, oh, I metagame this. That's right. like, well done. Like, you had no idea this was going to happen, but you put Torque in the right place at the right yep. time. Like, yep. And so it take it frees you up letting the players roll for your DMPC to move him in battle. It frees you up to not worry about metagaming. So the next one that we have of how do you run a DMPC effectively is let the players be the DMPC's financial advisor. With Torque, Torque shared the XP because he was coming in. He was right. he was helping you guys. He shared in the loot. However, I pretty much was like, you guys are pretty much in charge of what Torque would spend his money on this sense of armor and things like that. I'm not going to be buying that kind of stuff. Yeah. We all as players like had this sense of like Torque is a real person in this right. game. He's not going to go here, take all my gold. Like I'll just run around naked. First of all, that would not be good for you guys. Cause you needed him as a tank. Well, we had to buy him stuff at the yeah. very beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't Did have he has, great stuff. Right. Yeah. He wasn't that. Yeah. yeah he, he had like a uh, studded leather and you guys are like, we need to get you some plate. Yeah, now. We we're going into nice the stuff. arena. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, like you guys were pretty much in charge of his loot. If Torque had a share of the gold, I wasn't going and taking that gold and yeah. spending it on whatever I wanted to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think too, one of the cool things about being the financial advisor, and this is, you know, kind of leads into the next thing is the DMPC is more times than not, unless it would be in his character or in her character, they're not going to be the person that's making the overall decision for yeah. a group. Uh, unless unless it makes sense, if it comes up in conversation somehow, I don't think it's wrong for them to say things in those moments, but they shouldn't be the person that is making that if he's the only person making that decision, people are more than likely going to know this is probably the decision that they want to make. I mean, I guess you could trick your players and make the completely wrong decision as the DMPC, <laughs> right? but yeah, I think in those moments they can be like a a consultant and somebody to talk and add their feedback in the in those moments. But to avoid any sort of spotlight stealing or any sort of meta gaming, being just not being the person that's making the overall decision for a group, unless the group turns to you and is like. To, torque what do we what do we do now and then you make a decision that's like huh what would what would this character do in that moment not what would the dm do yeah in this once moment, again but not what would this be character the ultimate do in solution the yeah. yeah but yeah exactly it's this fine balance of role-playing a good character a real character like they are a person with their own mind but i think it comes down to not being the leader right like not taking point and being like i want to make the decisions of what's happening but being like more being a follower more being an adventurer that kind of trusts the other members of the group to make the right decisions and that doesn't mean if your dmpc is extremely afraid of water like if he cannot swim and he's afraid of water and you're PC, if your PCs go, hey, we're going to sail across this lake, your DMPC can very well make that decision and yeah, say, right, no, 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 right. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm afraid of water. It's not that you can't ever make a decision. It's that you shouldn't be like, oh, we have two two options of jobs that we could do. Well, I'm going to push and push and push and say, if I don't, if we don't do this one job, my DMPC is not coming with you. No, you should have to take point, let them be the leaders. It doesn't mean that you can't have choices but you shouldn't be the decision maker. You shouldn't be the leader. Honestly, I think that it there is a point where you can use the DMPC to be kind of the common sense in some situations. You know, we've talked about points in a game where sometimes as a DM, you have to, like, and this is, I think this is both of our opinions, sometimes yeah. in a campaign, it's okay to break out of character and as the DM, just say to your players, if they're going down a road that you're like, I don't know if you guys understand what I'm saying here. Maybe I'm not communicating well as the NPCs and just be like, hey guys, just so we're clear, you guys understand this, right? You know, like I think there is a point and you have to be careful as the DM to know when that point is. But the DMPC, I think, can be in some situations the voice of reason. Yeah, totally. It's just knowing the points when that's going to happen and not, once again, not letting that come into metagaming too much, not letting that like be an ultimate solution. You don't want to cross that line. Right. I think another thing, too, is give them some sort of purpose to the campaign or to the story. But like we said, with making the ultimate decision, don't make them extremely, extremely crucial. Like, don't make them to the point where if they left, the campaign couldn't go on. Exactly. Uh, because yeah. in that moment, you've created somebody that's irreplaceable. Yeah. And in that moment, it's like, if they're gone, the spotlight also goes with them because yep. nobody else can do anything in that moment. And the spotlight's so think, on them if they're that crucial. Right, right. Like, if they're that crucial. Whose story is it? is it? Making them to a point where they're not overly crucial to the story is very, very important. So... They're not necessarily the first leader, but they could be the second leader that 
comes alongside the group or, you know, however else you want to word it. But try try to make them not always the person that is extremely crucial within the story. But it is good, yeah, to give them a purpose, like you said. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. Uh, to, to have them have a reason to be part of your group. I think it's good to have them have a story of their own. But yeah, it comes to that next point. Like, well, if they're that crucial, that if they leave, or if they die, does the campaign stop? Because it absolutely should. Right. It doesn't mean that there can't be, like, a really sad moment when they die or that there, there are consequences when they die. That's okay. But it has to still be able to go on. They can't be that crucial. And yeah. if they die, here's how you run an effective DMPC. If they die, then they die. Yeah, right. <laughs> you cannot be the DM who is pulling your DMPC constantly out of the fire, making them unkillable like we talked about before. If Especially, like, if you add all these things together, you're rolling in front of the screen or your players are controlling the DMPC in battle and they die in battle or from whatever happens in the game, then let them die. Let them move on, take their character sheet and be like, thanks for playing whatever this character is and then send them their character sheet into the ether however you yeah, want right, to. Right. But let them die because it is not fair. <laughs> to your players to not let them die, especially if you're having player characters who are dying or in or in danger of dying. So you need to be able to let it go. Let go of that character sheet DMs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I would 100% agree with that. And I just want to say one more thing about the, the crucial thing is like, I think in those moments where it's, you know, you've made a character that's crucial, it's like you go up against a bad guy who you have run into in the past and you're all of a sudden like your point for being on this journey is I have a reason to be here because I want to be the person that helps kill this bad guy. To make them crucial would then be, I'm the only person that's capable of yeah. killing this character. With the Riders of Shemesh, if Torque died, really, would that much change? No. no. He was no. not crucial at We would have been all. back in the same spot that we were before <laughs> yeah, it, where we were what super would have changed that you guys would have been, yeah, yeah. you have, would have no tank to be your shield yeah. from uh, your squishiness. There's a person walking out from the alleyway. I'm scared. But as far as story, like, Torque was completely oh, yeah. not crucial to the story. Yeah, not at all. And yet he had his own story, and we ended the campaign with our epilogue, and, like, people wanted to know. And at that point, we had a player in charge. Right, yeah. So he became he had been around crucial. for a while, yeah. Uh, but, like, people wanted to know where did Torque end up? What was Torque's story? They wanted to know who Torque was, but he was not crucial. To right, campaign. yeah, he was not crucial. So uh, to wrap this up, I think we do want to say a couple things about the DMPC because yes, we do not, we will not stand here and say the DMPC is something that should not ever come into D and D. We think the DMPC is a viable option at times, used with caution. Yeah, used with caution. You must, you must use them effectively. You have to be careful about those problems. But a DMPC is not, in essence, a bad thing. Right. However, I think we would say that most of the time. You don't need a DMPC. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a group of four to six players and they are playing a good group of characters, do you really need a DMPC? I don't think so. Probably I think not. you're I think you're adding on more work for yourself, first of all, and you're just you're just adding in something that could become a problem. Yeah. You could I mean one thing that you could do is you could use NPCs or yep. hirelings who come along like in that moment. They need a, a fighter. They need they need a tank to come along with them. 
they go and they hire somebody as an NPC, even if it's like you as the DM are suggesting it to them, like, hey, you might want to think about, like, you've heard rumors of this dungeon. You might want to think about hiring a tank. And in that moment, in that in that night, you are an NPC who is being played as a, as a DMPC, but it's not something that's going to be the whole length of the night. It's somebody yeah. that's there for what they need to do, and then they're and then they're gone. Exactly. So I think you could use them as more of like a hireling. They're not. Uh, type they're thing. not taking XP. Right. They're taking loot in the sense of you need to pay them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're definitely not crucial, and they can definitely die. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, Oftentimes, you the NPC in those moments are the people that you normally, trip and leave behind. Yeah, at least in <laughs> yeah, at least in my world, I've always had the hirelings are usually. <laughs> <laughs> they're the they're, person that in a zombie apocalypse you can always run faster yeah. because you shoot them in the knee <laughs> another option of course is items and magic are options like yeah. we didn't do it this way and i like the way we did it with torque but i mean if that was an issue that that issue in the dryer's mesh campaign happened not because you guys chose to once again but because somebody left like another option would have been blessing you guys by the gods which, looking back now, would have been a viable option since yeah. you were on a on a quest, on a quest for the gods, for the gods yeah. and maybe that gave you a plus two to your AC constantly. Yep. Or you guys came across a magical item. Druids can't normally wear like metal armor; they can't wear that kind of stuff. But you could give them a sweet set of armor that helps them with their AC or gives them a little bit of regen or whatever it is. You can make your squishy PCs into a little bit better, right? And a little bit less squishy. You can have solutions with items or magic or NPCs, like you said. In essence, I think you can, without the DMPC, you can find another way. Usually, that being said, DMPCs not essentially a bad thing. They can be used well. I think Torque was an example of that. I think Torque, yeah. but I don't have any plans for DMPCs in the future because we have a good set of groups. Yep. In both of our campaigns, we have six players in each yep. of those. So I don't think either of us right now have any plans for a DMPC. No. I certainly do <laughs> I have not. lots of plans for NPCs, yeah. but not for DMPCs. Yeah, just too much work. But yeah, like they are a viable option if like it meets that criteria. So that's all that we have to talk about as far as DMPCs. We hope that this has been helpful for anyone out there who has a DMPC and is running them currently, uh, is planning on running one currently, or maybe you're at the point with your group that you're like, I need an option to fix the solution uh, without being the ultimate solution. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but to like help my players, and the DMPC sounds like a good way to fill in that gap. So, so that's what we have for you this week uh, on the Dungeon Master's Block, talking about DMPCs. And so we hope that you were able to gain a lot of factual knowledge about DMPCs and how they can both be amazing things to add to your stories when you need them and when they're appropriate and how they can potentially be a hindrance and a, and a, a potentially very terrible thing for your story. And so I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've gained a lot of knowledge about this. And if you want to share any stories with us about any of your DMPCs that you've used in the past, or if there's anything that we may have missed that you know, we could throw up on our forums or on Twitter or something like that. Send us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also, if you would be so kind, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Helps people know that we're actually a podcast worth listening to. <laughs> so send us out a five-star review and you'll get a shout-out on a future episode. And we're also on, if you don't have iTunes, we're on Podcast Addict, Stitcher, various other Android compatible podcasting apps. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. 
and you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places have awesome news about our show where you can go check that out. You can see our memes on there and have a good laugh, but you should like us and follow us on there. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out is... Jeremy Centeno. Thank yeah. you very much, Jeremy. Jeremy is a dreaded silver dragon, oh, oh, oh. so beware of Jeremy as he lurks around Twitter and around his around, footsteps on the forums. Yeah, and around <laughs> the forums and things like that, too. So thank you very much thank for you your continued so support, Jeremy. Yeah, we, we appreciate are, it. We are ever indebted to you as a silver dragon. <laughs> so that's all we have for you this week on the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other players at the table. Keep on Dungeon Master. Have a great night, everyone. Goodbye. Deus ex Monica. <laughs> Monica. Happy Monica. Yeah. Deus, Deus ex machina. I'm getting into freaking Hebrew whenever. Okay. <laughs>